Welcome to Dayspring Fellowship. Whether you're in the room live, watching online or later on demand, or even listening to our podcast, it's a great day to be at Dayspring. If you are visiting Dayspring today, we want you to know that this is the kind of church where you get to be you. There's no need to pretend that everything's perfect in your life. It's certainly not in ours. We are regular people on a journey, allowing Jesus to make something beautiful out of our broken and often messy lives. One little step at a time, learning to live like Jesus. I'm Chris Voigt, and I lead the team here at Dayspring. That team is made up of people committed to helping you grow. We love to challenge, encourage, and equip people to become more like Jesus. So if you're on that journey too, we're looking forward to lending a hand. Even if you aren't sure that you want to be on that journey with us, maybe you are skeptical about the claims of Jesus or skeptical of his followers. Well, this is still a great place, a safe place to explore and ask questions as you look for answers. We're asking questions and looking for answers too, so I think we can be pretty good company on your journey. So welcome. You can learn more about us as a church by exploring our website at dsf.church by checking out our Facebook page or contacting us by phone or email. If you need help figuring out the next step to making Dayspring your home church, or if you just have questions, let us know. We'll help you find the answers. For today's service, you can find a discussion guide by selecting Watch from the top menu of our website. And now, let's join our service. You know, when I was in college and studying to become a paramedic, I had to learn a lot of new information. I, you know, at first it was almost overwhelming, but as you go over things over and over and over, it becomes second nature. And it's, it's a good thing, too, because if you had to pull out your textbook or your protocols every emergency, you wouldn't be a very good medic. And I'm pretty sure that you would not pass your state licensing exams um, either. So although some of the information was easy and fun, some of it was very difficult. And it took intentional investment to retain that knowledge. And of course, it isn't enough just to have the head knowledge. Applying that knowledge and putting it into action properly could also be a life or death situation. I mean, just knowing the doses of a life-saving medication isn't enough. You have to know when to administer that medication and how. Knowing that a non-breathing person needs to be intubated doesn't help you if you don't know how to intubate someone. You get the picture, right? So my, st my study strategy was to rewrite my notes every single night. That's what helped me to solidify in my brain the information I was trying to learn. And then, of course, practice, practice, practice on skills. And it worked. But I'm not going to lie. It took dedication and follow-through. Now, like I said, some stuff is easier to remember and some is more difficult. But everything gets harder if we don't put in the effort to get better at it. Especially it seems, if it seems like it's something that we think we already know. So as we dive into 2 Peter chapter 1 today, let's approach it with the attitude that it is vitally important information. Even though it 
seems familiar to us. Even though it may seem like the easy stuff to learn, let's admit that we as the body of Christ have not mastered the skills. Therefore, our learning isn't complete. So let's commit to focusing on our attention to what God wants to teach each one of us individually this morning. Now, the people that Peter is writing to already have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So for those of you listening today who don't yet have a personal relationship with Jesus, even though some of this may not make sense to you, hang in there with me. I think that you will find some things to ponder as you listen. So let's pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, what a joy and a privilege it is to be in your presence. We thank you, God, that, that you have drawn us here in the room, online, now, later, but you're speaking to us through your word. And so, God, I pray that we would truly be open and willing to whatever you have to say, what, that place you're going to poke us in the heart today. Prepare us and give us the courage in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look at 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. Now, in the first message of this series, in 1 Peter 1.1, Peter introduces himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. But here, he introduces himself both as an apostle and as a slave of Jesus Christ as well. Peter had actually seen and interacted with Jesus in the flesh. He had firsthand knowledge of the truth of who Jesus is and why he came, which is part of what qualifies Peter as an apostle. Now, in calling himself a slave, he is identifying with the people to whom he is writing. He is one of them. Peter is reminding his readers that even though he had walked this earth with Jesus, he was no different than they were. He's saying that it, it doesn't matter if you were a Jew or a Gentile, we're all in this together. Also note that in this passage, Peter identifies as a fellow follower before he identifies as an apostle. He wants his audience to know that he identifies with them as they figure out how to deepen their intimacy with Jesus and continue to grow in alignment with his purposes and priorities. A personal relationship with Jesus is available because of the justice and fairness extended to us through him. We, we certainly do not deserve a relationship with our creator, and yet he loves us so much that he offers us the opportunity to have a relationship with him through believing who Jesus is, acknowledging what he's done for us, and surrendering our lives to him. This is where faith begins. Now notice that Peter refers to Jesus as our God and our Savior. And this is one of the few places in the New Testament that Jesus is called God. 
Now, as believers, we know that Jesus is God. We see that in several areas in Scripture. The biblical term for God, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit um, is the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three distinct but not separate divine persons who exist in complete union with one another for all of eternity. All three deities are properly called God, Lord, Savior, Creator, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are not the same person with three different names. They are each distinct in their roles and activities and in the history of creation and the process of salvation. All three are in union with one another in all things. Now we find the end of Peter's greeting in verse 2. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace is giving favor to one who does not deserve it. Grace is what allows us to have a relationship with him, a holy God, and in his great mercy, he does not give us what we deserve, but he extends through his love and his grace, and he gives us the opportunity to have an intimate relationship with him, and that's what we call salvation grace. The grace Peter is, to, is referring to in verse 2 is the grace that we continue to receive from God day in and day out once we've surrendered to him. All the blessings we receive and we don't deserve, that's grace. The opportunity to deepen our relationship with the creator, that's grace. Situations that turn out for our good when they should have gone the other way, that's grace. And the fact that I did not drop my cell phone in the toilet this morning, that's grace. <laughs> True story. <laughs> The peace here is not just the peace of a quiet day. It is supernatural. It is peace of mind and of soul deep within us, regardless of whether the world around us or within us is quiet or loud, whether life is calm or whether we're in the midst of that storm. We can only have this kind of peace when we have a growing relationship with Jesus. And the word knowledge here refers to heart knowledge, not just head knowledge, not just head knowledge. Head knowledge is what we know in our minds. Heart knowledge is when we know something to be true in our being. It's so much more than the information that we've learned. The learning is very important, which we'll talk about in a bit. Along with our head knowledge should come a desire in our hearts to live our lives in a close relationship with Jesus, to live according to his ways instead of our own ways. Now, this kind of knowledge is about a heart connection that we are experience, experiencing with Jesus. As our heart grows more connected with Jesus, our experience with grace and peace increases. There's a direct correlation between the heart knowledge and the grace and the peace that we have the opportunity to experience. The more intimate our relationship with Jesus, the more peace and grace we experience. And as we grow, both in head and heart knowledge, 
And we learn how Jesus wants to live out our lives in a way that honors our relationship with him and also shows others what he's like so that they might choose a relationship with him also. And as we grow in this kind of knowledge, we'll also grow in our desire to live a godly life. And in his goodness and in his grace, he provides all that we need to do exactly that. Let's go to verse 3. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life, to living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. As Christians, we begin with a saving faith in Jesus Christ. This opportunity is extended to us through God's grace, and we experience a supernatural peace as we grow in the knowledge of Jesus. We also receive God's power in the form of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. And the Holy Spirit helps us live the way that Jesus wants us to live. Learning the truth of the Bible and then applying what we know about Jesus to our lives deepens our relationship with him, and this is called spiritual growth. And what amazes me is that God gives us everything we need to really excel in our spiritual growth. And yet, we're stubborn, we're prideful, we're distracted, we're lazy, and we make some really stupid choices. God gives us the power to do what we should. He also gives us the opportunity to deepen our relationship with him. Even so, he does not do the work for us. We have a responsibility to choose to live a godly life and to make choices that honor Jesus. The word allegiance comes to mind. And and I've been pondering my allegiance to Jesus in my daily living. I mean, do I choose allegiance to Jesus in my attitude, in my words, or even in my emotions? Or do I choose allegiance to Michelle? Am, Am I willing to participate in my growth process so that I am a good steward of the power that he graciously bestows to me for right living? Or am I going to choose to be complacent and put it off until tomorrow? I mean, after all, I have eternity to build this relationship. It won't be a big deal if I slack off for a season. Or will it? Good relationships take cultivating. I want to have a good relationship with Jesus. And if I want that, I have to cultivate it. Now, Peter also talks about uh, of the promises that we have in the moment that we choose a personal relationship with Jesus. We have all the promises that are written in God's word. A short list might include uh, forgiveness of our sins, eternal life in God's family, spiritual strength through the Holy Spirit, peace and comfort in difficult times, Uh, provision, the hope of heaven, uh, that we will all live with him in eternity. 
Uh, these are some of the pretty incredible promises available to those who choose Jesus. Now, Peter goes on to say, verse 5, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Uh, Peter says that because of the truth that we have just heard, we are to make every effort to respond to God's promises and to live out our allegiance to Jesus. Peter gives us a short list of character qualities to help us up our game a little bit. And this is not an exhaustive list, of course. However, we can use this short list as building blocks on our spiritual growth. One builds upon another to help us become more like Jesus. So first is moral excellence, which applies uh, implies fortitude, courage, doing what is right, even when no one's watching. It, it, it's an emphasis on our inner disposition, not just our outward expression. It applies to the little things as well as the big ones. It applies the things to the things that you would be embarrassed about. And it applies to the things that no one would ever find out about. It applies to outright deception, and it applies to that little white lie. And I have this little plaque. I'm sure many of you have seen it before. It's a little sign that says, I saw that. God. <laughs> Next is knowledge. Um, this refers to the practical knowledge that we learn by developing relationship. It's the kind of knowledge that is gained through experience with Jesus. Uh, again, not just head knowledge. We get this kind of knowledge when we spend time with, we learn about, and we cultivate our relationship with Jesus. Now, we know who he is and what he's about because we've experienced him. And here's my personal favorite, self-control. Self-control means to maintain a balanced life, even when indulgence is banging at the door. It means saying yes to Jesus instead of giving in to the temporary impulse or desire. It requires us to be aware of our daily attitudes, words, actions, emotions, and how they impact our relationship with Jesus and with others and make changes accordingly. Patient endurance or perseverance. This means that we have to keep our footing on that path that Jesus has set before us. All around us, we have circumstances and desire, desires and the people who will try and knock us off the path. Perseverance is remaining steadfast, stable, clear-headed with the hope of our future in Christ, regardless of the world around us and regardless of how weary we feel. Godliness. This term means God-likeness. It refers to both a right perspective and attitude toward God, as well as having a servant's heart toward others. A godly person makes the right kinds of decisions. 
not to avoid consequences, but because they are the right decisions to make, because they honor God and others. Brotherly kindness. This word refers to treating others as if they were part of your family. It means sharing life on life. It means sharing joy and pain, that we bear one another's burdens. It means that we allow others to have opinions and thoughts and suggestions that are different than ours without being threatened by their opinions or their thoughts or their suggestions. It doesn't mean we all have to agree. It means that we are willing to disagree agreeably. Growing in all of these areas helps us to grow in the most important area, love. Now, this, this kind of love is seeing the highest good for others, putting the needs of others before our own. It's unconditional love. It's the highest kind of love. This is the love that Jesus has for us, and he proved it by dying for us. And, and this is what spiritual maturity is all about. It's, it's about growing in these areas so that we love Jesus and others more. And I want to be clear that this is a growth process, not a salvation issue. We are saved once and for all when we choose to accept Jesus as our Savior. Then we begin the process through God's promises and his power in us of continuing on the path of spiritual growth to becoming more and more like Jesus every day. Now, not all of us are maintaining the diligence that leads to maturity. Some of us fail to look back and realize what our salvation means and the cost that Jesus paid. Some of us fail to look forward at the hope of our future and realize what eternity with Christ means. Some of us choose to focus on the now, the today of life, and just keep plugging along as if our spiritual past and our spiritual future are not important. We have allegiance to Jesus in our heads. I mean, we think, of course I want to be true to Jesus. But do we follow through with our hearts, diligently cultivating a deeper, maturing relationship with him? Let's pick it up at verse 8. The more, you, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to de develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the internal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, how many overachievers do we have in the room? Overachievers don't raise their hand like this. They go like that. All right, some overachievers. How many underachievers? You guys don't raise your hands at all. <laughs> you know, I'm somewhat of an overachiever, um, but I can also put the L in lazy on occasion. I mean, sometimes I just don't feel like doing my best. I mean, my dad always taught me 
work hard and leave things better than you found them. And I agree with this work ethic. I just don't always make the bed so you can bounce a dime off of it like Tony does. <laughs> the work ethic that Peter is urging us to take hold of is so that we will be more productive and useful for God's kingdom. It has nothing to do with my eternal security, the fact that I will live with Jesus for eternity in heaven. That's, that's a sealed promise. My productivity for God while I live on this planet is directly related to my work ethic regarding my spiritual growth. Charles Swindoll writes, we don't, face, we don't want to face the Lord Jesus Christ ashamed of uselessly and fruitless squandering the power, provision, and precious promises that he bestowed upon us at, at salvation. Peter goes on to say, therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you've been taught. And it's only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life, so I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things. The people Peter is writing to are surrounded with truth, which wasn't truth at all. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But first, what does this mean for us? Um, okay, how many of us uh, have thought or even said out loud, I've already stud that, studied that book in the Bible? Or I've read that book so many times, I don't need to read it again. Well, if we'd read it enough, we'd be walking the walk, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Peter writes in this letter how important it is to be reminded to go over it again and again. And the beautiful thing about scripture is that it never changes and it's living and active. So that means that the truth stays the same forever and we can learn new things and be reminded and convicted of old things every time we choose to press into God's word. Doesn't matter if we'd studied it before or read it a hundred times. God will still use his word to teach and grow us. Uh, we as humanity need reminding. We need to be taught again and again. We are not, hopefully, the same person or in the same place every time we read a particular book or passage, which means truth will impact us differently. We'll see things that we never noticed before, catch nuances we missed previously. Heck, I, I ask the same question over and over because I can't remember the answer you gave me 10 minutes ago. How can I think that I can retain in all clarity and meaning everything I read or studied last week? I mean, in all truth, if I asked you what your takeaway from today is, would you be able to tell me on, say, Tuesday of next week? I mean, yes, for crying out loud, we need reminding. We need to be established in the word and regularly reminded of the truth of God's word. This is especially true when we're under stress or we're discouraged and we all have those days. We need to remind ourselves and each other of what we know to be true. And sometimes our mindset towards being reminded is negative, you know, as in nagging. 
instead of a positive prod in the right direction. Now, in our house, there's a lot of reminding, but not in the way you would think. You know, Tony's ADD, and so if I tell him something important or bring up something that he needs to take care of, he always says, please remind me. Because he knows that his brain's going to move on to something else and he's going to forget. So a reminder in our house is a good thing. And we wrap up this section, verse 16. For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard, heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ, the morning star, shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. So Peter is writing to people who are surrounded with religious cults who have no eyewitness to their little G-gods. Uh, there's, there's a moving target when it comes to pleasing these little G-gods, obviously because they don't exist. Now, therefore, it's a, it, it doesn't matter um, how or what you sacrifice or how you behave because there's nothing there to acknowledge your actions. And it seems to be this salad bar approach when it comes to these little G-gods. I'll, I'll do this for this one and I'll do that for that one, all in hopes of pleasing them to win favor over your life or your crops or your belongings or your health. Mythical creatures abound in these belief systems, but in reality, everything about it is a lie. And Peter makes it perfectly clear that he is proclaiming the truth because he has seen it with his own eyes. He's heard it with his own ears. He has personally experienced grace and forgiveness and the love that Jesus offers. And he experienced these things with Jesus in the flesh. This is much different than any of the other claims that were being made by the Roman or the Greek or the Persian or the Egyptian belief systems. No one had seen or heard or experienced in the flesh any of their deities um, for obvious reasons. These gods did not actually exist. So basically, these false religions and false teachers rested their beliefs and practices on fabricated stories. Peter's beliefs were grounded in his firsthand personal experience with Jesus. Peter then transitions from talking about the reliability of his personal experience to the reliability of scriptures, the written word of God. Now, keep in mind that at the time of Peter's letter, the Bible was not compiled yet as we know it today. But that does not negate the fact that Peter 
writes, whatever he writes, applies to us today. And we're so fortunate to be able to read God's truth in written form. I mean, this gives us the opportunity to read and study and ponder and apply what we are taking in through Scripture. Scripture never changes. Its truth is eternal. And Peter tells us to pay attention. We're to focus our concern and care and commitment to God's word. This would mean that we study and ponder, not just read through. I mean, how many of you have ever been reading along and you realize that your brain has left the page three paragraphs ago and your eyes just kept on reading? That's why the words study and ponder are so important. We study for understanding context, culture, intent, and how it applies today. And we ponder in order to take God's word in deeply into our hearts. And we seek God's guidance on what he wants us to do about what we just learned. This is how the living word becomes our light that guides and directs our paths. This is how the word becomes the light that eradicates the darkness. The light that enables us to see clearly when things around us are dim or murky. And we underestimate the murky. You know, I love to snorkel. I love hearing the whales sing and seeing God's creatures and getting the exercise. But you will not catch me snorkeling in murky waters. I want clear water. Uh, Not only so that I can see God's creation better and enjoy it much more, the main reason I won't snorkel in murky water is that I do not want to become lunch for one of God's creatures. (laughs) Murky waters are dangerous, and they are where the sharks are. And you can't see them until it's too late. Relying on our own human wisdom and understanding is like snorkeling in murky water. We think we know where we're going, And we think that things are safe, and we don't see the danger until it's upon us. God's word is to guide and teach us how to grow in spiritual maturity. And although the hand of man penned these words, these words were inspired by God and not from the mind of man. It is unchanging yet living and active. It does not contradict itself. Individual passages of scripture are not to stand alone, but to be incorporated into the whole of scripture for full and true meaning. And there's so much more that we could say, but just for a general statement, let's just take a look at our faith statement here at Dayspring. This is Dayspring's faith statement regarding scripture. The sole basis of our beliefs is the Bible. God's infallible written word, the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments. We believe that it was uniquely and fully inspired by the Holy Spirit and that it was written without fault, infallible, or error, inerrant, in the original manuscripts. It is the supreme and final authority in all matters of faith and life. The central purpose of the Bible is to call people into relationship with the living God. God's word is the most reliable of all sources. Our experiences, our dreams, our feelings, our opinions do not compare at all. 
Now, I know when we say this out loud, we all agree. And yet, we still make decisions based on how we feel, uh, what we think, or what we've experienced in the past. And now, all those things are things to consider, but seeking guidance and truth in God's word is the most reliable source. Now, I don't mean that when you have a decision to make regarding a new relationship that you turn to the book of relations and get your answer. There is no book of relations in the Bible. If you're deciding whether you should move to another location for a new job or, you know, I mean, you get the picture. The point is, when we are in God's word, we come to know God's word and we ponder what he's teaching us. Our decisions are then influenced by his presence and the path is better lit. The water is much clearer. When it comes to moral decisions, God has instructions and they're pretty clear. I mean, he lights the way for us. We can see clearly, but we allow other things to influence our beliefs, decisions, and actions. Then we're back in that murky water again. You know, on a calm day without recent rain, the water is usually clear. But when it's rough surf or rainwater is washing into the ocean, it stirs things up and it makes it hard to see. Outside forces change the water from clear to murky. And it's the same with us. We allow outside forces to influence our decisions and actions instead of looking to God's word and prayer for the answer. In today's world, we have to push back against the culture of lies and deception that threaten us. It, it threatens to knock us off course in our faith. But when we center ourselves on the truth of God's word, the truth of the gospel, our discernment will come from his truth, not from the world around us. And at the end of the day, each one of us is unique. I mean, how we cultivate the qualities that we've talked about today and establish the rhythm of being in God's word will vary. Our background, our temperament, or personality experiences will influence how we nurture our spiritual growth. Even so, we all need to ask ourselves the question, how or where do I need to invest in my relationship with Jesus. Because the longer we stay where we are, the more comfortable we get being there. And I don't want to be comfortable with the thought that I did not invest in my relationship with Jesus today. I want to be fruitful for his kingdom so that I can meet him face to face, unashamed of squandering the power and grace that he's given to me. I want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. And I think you do too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, our beliefs tell us we love you. Our beliefs tell us we have allegiance to Jesus Christ. Sometimes when we really dive into our actions and our attitudes and how we're walking each day, there's a real disconnect. 
So God, we give you permission to poke our heart in that hard place. Show us how we need to reach for you. Get us started if we're in a dry season. Overwhelm us with your presence and your glory. Remind us over and over that we are children of the King. And for those, Lord, that don't yet have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I pray desperately that you are Their palms are sweaty right now and their heart's beating fast and their mind is going, what? What do I do here with this? Work in them, Lord. Show them who you are. Guide and direct them to us that we could pray with them and encourage them along their journey. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We want desperately to be in line with you. Have your will, have your way, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Let me encourage you to download the discussion guide by selecting Watch from the top menu of our website. Working through those questions, on your own or with others, will help the truth of God's Word find its place in your life. Please reach out if you have any questions or want help on your spiritual journey. My email address is on the screen, or you can call the church during the week. Faithful people like you make this ministry possible. People who believe in what God is doing through Dayspring, who have experienced God's work in and through their own lives and been changed in the process. If you're just checking us out today, please know that we don't expect you to give anything to support Dayspring. That is the responsibility of our Dayspringers. We are simply excited to play a small part as God does His perfect work in you today. For those of you who would like to start giving, we have three easy ways for you to get us your gift. Please see the online giving section of our website or text GIVE to the number on your screen or mail a check to us at the address you'll find on our website. And one more thing, thank you for liking and sharing and following Dayspring on whatever platform you connect with us. Thank you for rating us where that is appropriate. Even more, thank you for sharing our services with your friends and family. God uses you to plant seeds in other people's lives, so keep sowing. And if this service was a blessing to you, it'll probably be a blessing to someone else too. Until we meet again, I am praying that God's richest blessings would overflow in and through your life.